Let's now turn to the Word of God for a few moments. And if the kids want to come here, this front row, and grab a wee sheet for coloring, you're more than welcome. Paula, have Edith, you can come here, yeah? You can sit on the floor, you can just feel free to do. And I'm going to invite another leader of our holiday club, Erica, that she will do the Bible reading for us. So you have there? Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down about 5,000 men were there Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish when they had when they had all had enough when they all had enough to eat he said to his disciples gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come to the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Thank you, Erica. She was a bit nervous on doing, but she did great, so thank you very much. So this is a very well-known passage, and we were studying this passage with the kids too, so I thought it would be quite good for, for us grown-ups to have a deeper look in this passage quickly. And in our scripture reading here that Erica was reading for us, we, we see a crowd of more than 5,000 people overwhelming Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus there, he, he, he taught them and healed their sick and at the end of the day, they, they became hungry. So he took five small loaves and two small fish and miraculously multiplied them. And there was enough food to feed all the people. And we still have 12 baskets of leftovers. So it's, it's just a splendid miracle, isn't it? Fantastic. In verse 15 says that Jesus' popularity just skyrocketed because of this, this miracle. And, and in fact, John tells us in this passage we just read that the crowd intended to make Jesus king by force. So it's a very well-known passage. But today, we want to note what took place before Jesus passing out 
the food. We want to know that before passing out the food, Jesus gave thanks. And it's a very curious thing. Jesus gave thanks. And his thanks here, in fact, is a prominent part of the story. It's a very important part of the story. The Bible tells us that after the five small loaves and the two fish were given to him, verse 11 says that Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. He gave thanks. And even more striking in John's account is the next day in verse 6, where Jesus says that other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Again, the same mention of the Lord giving thanks. So in reminding us Jesus' miracle, the gospel writer here wants to make sure that we realize it happened after Jesus had given thanks. Jesus gave thanks, then he broke the bread, then he distributed them. So, what is the point? What's the point of all of this? The Bible clearly wants us to realize that Jesus was a thanker. I don't even know if this, if this is a word, but you know what, what I'm trying to say. Jesus was a thanker. He thanked God for the food he was about to give to that hungry crowd. And we might think of that he, of all people, didn't have to do this. After all, Jesus was and is and always will be God. And every good thing, as we know, comes only from the hands of God. So here we see God the Son, through whom all Things were created, giving thanks to God the Father. So it's, a, it's an intriguing picture of one person of the Trinity giving thanks to another person of the Trinity. It's amazing to see it. And the story in front of us is not the only time we see Jesus doing this. Another example, and if you remember two weeks ago we were reading this passage, is when Jesus established the Lord's Supper. In Luke 22, we are told that when Jesus took the bread at the Last Supper, he gave thanks before passing it. And the same was true for the wine. He gave thanks just before giving it to the disciples. So my question for this morning is, why did Jesus do this? Why did he give thanks to God? And my friends, Jesus gave thanks because he could see beyond the, beyond the material to the spiritual. It's really interesting. Jesus gave thanks because he could see beyond bread and fish to the God who provided the bread and fish. To Jesus, even the smallest crumb of food was not trivial. It's not trivial, my friends but pointed back to its maker and giver. And this is not only true for bread and fish, but for every good thing that we might enjoy. All things, 
All things point beyond themselves to their maker and giver. And by giving thanks, Jesus showed us the intimate connection between the spiritual and the material. But I know, I know that this runs contrary to, especially two things today. First, this runs contrary to the many people we know who never see anything spiritual in life. And I sh I'm sure we all know loads of those people. People who see life completely one-sided. People who see material things as the sum total of life. And second, this runs counter to the many people who put a wall of separation between material things and spiritual things. And according to these people, my friends, cars, tomato, steak, turkey, milk, and broccoli, and everything I could name here, are totally separate from religion, faith, prayer, God, and worship. Religion is religion, say these people. And the only place it belongs is in the church. There's no place for it in education, government, and business, and even in our personal lives. Religion is religion, says these people. And the only time it can or should be practiced is Sunday morning in church, says these people. Certainly, it must play no role in public life. But, brothers and sisters, dear friends, we need to realize that our entire life, our entire life as part of a spiritual realm. We need to realize that the material and the spiritual are related. And I think of the words of the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. But let's go back to your passage. Jesus takes food in his hand, right? And by giving thanks, he announces that this, that the food, that that food there is from God. In giving thanks, Jesus invites us to see the spiritual behind the material. In giving thanks, Jesus invites us to break out the pattern which says God has nothing to do with day-to-day -day life or day-to-day -day concerns. Jesus' thanksgiving shows us that whether we admit it or not, our lives are tied in and tied to and tied with God. Jesus' thanksgiving shows us that everything we have and everything we receive is connected with God. Everything, my friends. But again, I'm going to ask the same question again. Why did Jesus do this? Why did he give thanks to God? And the second answer we can give 
is that in giving thanks, Jesus was making the ordinary sacred. It wasn't just bread and fish in his hands. Later on today, when you go down the hall, it isn't just tea or coffee and loads of cakes. It's not just a computer on your desk or a car in your garage. After you have given thanks, it's something holy, blessed, a gift from God Most High. And this truth is best stated by, by the Apostle Paul again in his first letter to Timothy. So 1 Timothy 4, verses 4 and 5 say, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. So according to Paul, our thanksgiving makes the ordinary sacred. But you must be asking yourself, what does it mean to be sacred, Philippi? Why are you saying this fancy word there? So in the Old Testament, my friends, anything that was sacred or holy was dedicated to the service of God. So few examples. For example, Sansom was sacred. That's why he could not cut his hair or drink any wine. And the items of the temple were sacred. That's why they could never be used for profane or ordinary uses. And in the New Testament, this is also true. Anything that's sacred is dedicated to the service of God. Us, my friends, we, for instance, we are God's holy people, dedicated to His service, His honor, and His glory. So as I said before, in giving thanks for the bread and the fish, Jesus was making them holy, treating them as holy, to be used for God's honor and glory and in His service. So in giving thanks for life's blessings, we are making them holy and we are dedicating them to God's service and for His name's sake. Which means that all that we have all that we have, if we are Christians, are to be used in the service of God. Our money, our time, our homes, our cars, our toys for the boys and girls, our furniture, and even our families. Even our families. We give thanks for them all and dedicate them all to the glory of God. So today, my friends, this morning, in this celebration here, we want to give thanks. We want to give thanks. Today we want to join the material to the spiritual. Today we want to dedicate to God what has been given to us. Like Jesus, we want to give thanks. So first of all, we should thank God for life. We should all give thanks to God for life. He has made us and formed us. Only in Him we live and move and have our being. 
Only in Him we have the ability to think and enjoy and respond and wonder. Only in Him we can jump up and down as we were doing earlier on. We can learn and play and do all those things. Only in Him we can eat, sleep and love. So we thank our Almighty God for life. Thank you, God, for life. Second, we should thank God for health. Many, I know that many of our members suffered health problems in the last year or so, two years. And it seems that it's only when we face sickness that we appreciate health and strength, isn't it? So today, this morning, as church, we want to thank God for our health. Thank you, Lord, for our health. Third, we should thank God for providing for our physical needs. Yes, I, I know that some of us could have more things or better things. That is true. But even so... We have food, my friends. We have clothes. We have a roof over our heads. These are common material things, but they don't come by chance. Not at all. We know that they are gifts from the giver above. And we also know that in places like Rwanda, Congo, Burundi, Venezuela, and many other countries, very few people dare to take these common blessings for granted. So this morning, as church, we want to thank God for providing for our physical needs. Thank you, God, for provision. Fourth, I'm nearly there, I promise. We should also thank God for our families. Today is our family service. So we should... Thank God for our families. But I also know that for some people, it is painful to remember family relationships. Maybe broken by death or separation. But even as we feel such grief, my friends, we can still be thankful for those who uphold us and love us. Our families are so precious. Our families are so precious. So husbands, give thanks to the Almighty God for your wives. Wives, give thanks to God for your husbands. I know they can be hard sometimes. I'm a husband. I know. Parents and children, give thanks to God for each other. And for all of us, let us give thanks to God for companionship of friends. Who are like family to us. So we thank you God. For family. And fifth and most important. We should thank God. For grace. And salvation. In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. God has blessed us with every sort. Of spiritual blessing. He has taken us who were lost in sin and evil and renewed us. He has removed from us 
the fear of judgment and everlasting condemnation and promises us eternal life in Jesus Christ. So friends, church, give thanks to God for salvation in Jesus Christ. But I know there are times, of course, that we are tempted to feel ungrateful. I know, trust me. And at such times, it's good for you to contemplate the good things God has done for you. So just to conclude, may I offer you a wee suggestion. When you get home today, write on a small piece of paper, big enough to fit in your wallet or your purse, 10 great things God has done for you. Then whenever you feel tempted to feel ungrateful, get this card and start thinking about the blessings you have written down. And by thinking about God's past provision, you will be encouraged to trust in His power to provide and protect in the presence. So church, let us be like Jesus and give thanks. Let us give thanks realizing that this joins the material to the spiritual. Let us give thanks realizing that this makes the ordinary sacred, sacred and dedicates it to the service of God. Let, let us all give thanks to God for his many blessings. Amen.